my alarm is set for about 4.30 on Sunday mornings, as it is most of the days of the week. And I woke up a little early this morning and uh, pulled myself together. I rolled out of bed. I picked up my phone. I started walking downstairs. And as I did, I looked at my phone and I thought, huh, eight text messages, a missed call, and a voicemail. The first text came from Mark Brewer at about 11.40 last night saying, hey, I'm on my way to the emergency room. Uh, apparently, Mark had an allergic reaction to a medication that he is taking. Uh, the texts kind of bubbled forward from there until about 2.20 this morning. It said, okay, it looks like they're going to keep me overnight into the afternoon. You're up. Now, Mark is okay. In, in fact, at 4.30 this morning, uh, he sent a picture that, yeah, no, you don't want to see it. Uh, suffice it to say that if you have seen the movie Hitch with Will Smith, there's a scene where Hitch has an allergic reaction and his face swells up. Uh, that's what Mark looks like this morning. So, it, about 4.15, I'm downstairs in my office at the house, and I'm trying to pull things together and figure out what in the world I'm going to do. I, I pull up the bulletin online. I say, okay, it's, Mar or it's, it's Exodus 33. The topic is pleased. We're, but wait a minute. Mark has been in Hawaii for the last week on vacation. I'm thinking he didn't write a sermon. I mean, look at that picture again. I'm looking at the picture and I'm thinking, you can do a lot with Photoshop these days. So Brewer, I don't know, that's not a text from him. Brewer, I don't know where you are or what you're doing, but get better. We're wrapping up this series of messages that we've been looking at from the book of Exodus that we're calling a, a soft heart for a hard world. And the topic that we're looking at today is, is just generally around the idea of being pleased. Wouldn't it be nice to know that God is pleased with you? Wouldn't it be nice to know, to have the conviction that God is pleased with you? with us. As we prepare to read from God's Word, would you join me in a moment of prayer? God, we do pray for our friend Mark. We ask for your mercies to be with him, that you would bring healing and speed his release and restore him to wholeness. And our prayers are for ourselves this morning as well, Father. Open our hearts and inspire our minds that in the reading and hearing of your holy word, we may know how to live as followers of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Listen with me to the word of the Lord as it comes from the 33rd chapter of Exodus, beginning to read at verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me lead these people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You've said, I know you by name and, have found and you have found favor with me. 
Well, if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I'll do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Amen. May the same Holy Spirit who inspired the writing and preservation of these words inspire them for our understanding as well. Most of us know the the broad story of the Exodus, how at the ripe young age of 80, God called Moses to lead the people out of Egypt, lead them into the promised land. The plagues hit the nation of Egypt. They didn't bother the people of Israel. After that, finally, Pharaoh said, okay, go. The people left Egypt. It was a mass exodus of all of those people, their neighbors, their Egyptian neighbors, giving them all kinds of gifts and and items of gold and silver that they could take with them. They left. They got to the Red Sea. Suddenly they realized that the Egyptian army, Pharaoh had changed his mind and the army was closing in on them. They thought they'd been led out into the wilderness to die only to discover that the hand of the Lord was with them and the waters were parted and they walked down through the Red Sea on dry ground. The Egyptian army started to move in upon them and the waters closed in and shut them down. The people were delivered. They made their way onto the Sinai Peninsula. They went to Mount Sinai and and Moses went up on the mountain and it was while he was up on the mountain that God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Those, Those ten rules that would separate the people of Israel from every other people in the world at the time. It it created boundaries for them and established a healthy relationship between the people and God. While Moses was up on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments, you remember the story. The people got tired. They got antsy. They were chomping at the bit. Where is Moses? They said he went to see God. How come he hasn't come down? We need help. We need someone to guide us. They turned to Moses' brother Aaron, who fashioned a golden calf, and the people began to celebrate and worship the calf rather than the God who had led them out of Egypt. God was not happy with them. And it's right after that that this story that we have read comes up in which Moses says, how will I know, how will we know that you will go with us? How can we be convinced that you are pleased with us and that we will not be alone? That word pleased in one form or another, it's the Hebrew word hain, It's found five times in the text. Now, as I read it, as you were looking on the screens or in your Bible, uh, you only saw the word pleased twice. But it actually, in the Hebrew, occurs five times. In, In verse 12, when God speaks and says, you have found, I have found favor with you. It's the same word, hain. 
In other words, God has already told the people that he is pleased with them. Then in verse 13, Moses counters back to God and says, if you are pleased with us, if we will continue to find your favor. In verse 16, Moses struggling, obviously, not only as a leader, but as one in relationship with God, says to God, if you are pleased with me and with us, wouldn't it be nice to know that God is pleased with you? Wouldn't it be nice to know that God is pleased with us? And in verse 17, God says very, very clearly, I am pleased with you. It's not just Moses. It's Moses and the people of Israel. Do you realize the context of that statement that God has made? The people have given up on God. They've gotten tired of waiting for Moses. They've rebelled against God. They've convinced Aaron, Moses' brother, second in line to God to to create this golden calf so that they could bow down and and worship this God that, that they have fashioned in the shape of a calf. The people have rebelled against God. They've turned their backs on God. And what does God say? I am pleased with you. I am pleased with you. Do you realize that the circumstances of your life do not define your relationship with God? It's the other way around. Your relationship with God defines the circumstances of your life. The broad testimony of Scripture bears proof of this. Think about Joseph, thrown into a cistern, abandoned by his brothers, sold by his brothers into slavery, a slave in Egypt. He begins to find favor with Potiphar, the captain of the guard, only to have false charges brought against him. He's thrown into prison again. The circumstances of your life do not define your relationship with God. Your relationship with God defines the circumstances of your life. Joseph was liberated and rose to become the second most powerful person in Egypt. Think about Daniel. During the Babylonian exile, in a land that was not his own, forced to to live customs that were not his own, he pushed back against those customs to the point that I believe it's time for this boy to become lion food. They throw him in the lion's den. The circumstances of your life do not define your relationship with God. Your relationship with God defines the circumstances of your life. It's not just Joseph and Daniel. It's Peter thrown into prison in the first century. It's Jesus betrayed arrested, nailed to the cross. The circumstances of life do not define your relationship with God. Your relationship with God defines the circumstances of your life. I don't know what's going on in your life right now. 
whether family relationships are, are askew, whether work is not going the way you wanted it to, whether relationships beyond family are off kilter, whether your health, Mark, is not what you thought it was supposed to be, whether finances have gone south and you just don't know what's going to happen. Friends, remember, God is pleased with you. The circumstances of your life do not define your relationship with God. Your relationship with God define the circumstances of your life. Now, if you, if you doubt that, if you question that, and it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. All of us go through those times when we doubt that God loves us. We doubt that God cares for us. We doubt that God is pleased with us. When those times come, all we have to do is evaluate ourselves. There's an old story that preachers have used for many generations. Uh, it goes back, I'll tell you how far back it goes. It goes back to when there were bench seats in cars. How many of you remember a bench seat in the car? When was the last time you bought a car with a bench seat? They don't do that any longer. But the story is, involves a couple in a car with a front bench seat, the husband's driving down the highway. The wife is over in the passenger seat, kind of leaning against the, the door, thumbing her way through a magazine. And she hears her husband say, holy smokes. And, and she looks up from her magazine only to see this car come flying past them, passing on the left. Uh, just married, written all over the windows, shaving cream still flecking off the car, uh, cans jingling along behind the car. And as it goes by, they both notice that the new bride is practically sitting in the groom's lap. They're just wrapped around each other as he's driving down the highway. Goes on by. Wife's over here, leaning up against the passenger door. You know... We used to be like that. Husbands driving down the highway, he says, I haven't moved. <laughs> so not if, but when those times in your life come along, maybe you've been rebellious. Maybe you've not eaten four or 14 cookies, but told yourself, don't do it, and you did it anyway. And you begin to question whether God is still pleased with you, whether you are still within the circle of his favor, whether he has forgiven you, whether he, is lo he still loves you or not. He hasn't moved. Sometimes it's we who have moved away from God. So when you doubt that, and you begin to evaluate your life, maybe you need to remember that God is still pleased with you. 
And you simply need to find a way to rediscover, to recall, to hold, and to believe that God is pleased with you. We all, well, okay, not, not all of us. Many of us remember the 1980-something movie, Chariots of Fire. It's a story of Eric Little and Harold Abrams. Abrams was the Jewish runner for Great Britain. Uh, Eric Little was the Scottish missionary to China uh, who was also representing Great Britain in the Olympic Games. I think it was the 1924 Paris Olympics. This is what I don't recall because I didn't have time to dig it up between 4.15 this morning and the time I had to get here today. But you'll remember a scene in the movie in which Eric Little's sister is quite concerned that he's given up his passion for the mission field. And Eric Little says this, Jenny, I believe that God has made me for a purpose, for China. But he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Every one of us has something that we do that when we are in the midst of it, we know that we are within the circle of God's favor. We know that we are in God's pleasure because we feel his pleasure. The difference between Eric Little and Chuck Roberts, between Eric Little and and any one of the rest of us, is that Eric Little lived his life day in and day out in relationship with God. Everything that happened in his life, he interpreted as a part of his relationship with God. It wasn't the circumstances of his life that were defining that relationship. It was that relationship that defined the circumstances of his life. So the trick for you and me is to find a way to live our lives so closely in relationship with God that even when circumstances seem untoward, we're still convinced that God loves us. When I lived in, when Lib and I lived in Augusta, Georgia, uh, which is where the first church I served was, we had a dentist, and um, the first time I went to see this dentist, I'm in the chair, and the hygienist has come in and, you know, beat the living daylights out of my teeth. Uh, you remember how great that feels when you walk out? It's like, oh, it feels so good. I'm never going to eat again. Well, I'm laying in the chair, and uh, the hygienist is finished doing her thing, and the dentist comes in, and he talks to the hygienist, and he's looking at the x-rays that they've taken, he's asking me a few questions, and then he says, well, Mr. Roberts, do you have any questions? And I said, yeah, I have one question. And I looked up, and hanging from the ceiling on a piece of fishing line was a fork. And I said, why is there a fork hanging from the ceiling? He said, it's there for you to ask that question and for me to remind you that if you brushed your teeth as often as you wash your dishes, you'd never need to come see me. I've remembered that for 35 years. 
And I find myself thinking that if I read Scripture and prayed, as often as I brushed my teeth or washed the dishes, I would never question whether God loved me. I would never question whether I was in the circle of His favor. I would never doubt whether or not God was pleased with me. Maybe we need to hang a bunch of forks from the ceiling of the sanctuary. Or maybe we need to keep the Bible really close at hand and let this determine our relationship with God which will define the circumstances of our life. But never question this, friends. God is pleased with you. God is pleased with you. He is pleased with you. You are in the circle of His favor. You may have done some things you wish you hadn't done. You may have done some things God wishes you hadn't done. But He is pleased with you. Always has been and always will be. Let us pray. God, thank you for assuring us through your word that you are pleased with us. Even when we are rebellious, even when we doubt, when we question, when we wonder, when we worry, when we fear. Help us to know, to trust, to believe, to hold to the assurance that you are pleased with every one of us and with all of your people. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.